Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome Fight Fans to another episode of BTR Boxing Podcast and on today's episode of The Promoter Life we're going to be speaking to promoter Carl Greaves, former professional fighter, been in with the likes of Alex Arthur and Mikey Gomez to say a couple of the names but we're going to be speaking to him about his move into the promotional side of the business, some of the fighters he currently promotes, the shows he's put on, what his plans are and his goals are for a promoter uh, and just generally how he's found life transitioning over from a professional fighter to a promoter and what the game is like for him now so before we get into the meat of the episode i want you to go on to apple podcast and subscribe to us if you're not on an apple iphone i want you to go over to any of the available podcasting apps that you may use podbean player fm stitcher spreaker you can even go on to eat sleep boxing repeats youtube channel and listen to it on there as well if you do please subscribe rate us review us leave comments share it around social media Follow us at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter and BTR Boxing Podcast on Facebook. So here we go, the promoter life with Carl Greaves. Delighted to say I've got Carl Greaves on the phone with me today. Carl, it's really great to get you on and do this episode of The Promoter Life and find a little bit more about what it's been like for you transitioning over from a professional fighter to a promoter. How are you doing? Yeah, good, Sean. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Top man. Glad to get you on and I'm glad to be able to have a chat to you about this uh, promotional side of the game because, you know, people will know you mainly from being a professional fighter and obviously share 
sharing the ring with the likes of Michael Gomez and Alex Arthur and people of that nature. But you've you've transitioned over to the promotional side of the business now. And really, I wanted to yeah. I wanted to find out what it was that got you over there. What? Why did you make the decision to go back into boxing, but on the promotional side of it? Yeah, well, obviously, um, I've always boxing's been a, been in my uh, heart for since since a kid, really, since nine years old. I've always wanted to be um, be involved in boxing, even when I finished fighting. I wanted to be involved the training side and I actually got my trainer's license in, in uh, 2001 when um, I had a bit of a query and a brain scan I was out for 10 months while I was waiting to decide what was happening so I started training a few fighters and then I got my license back and had, and had a good run I had the, the few big fighters I had Alex Arthur Carl Johansson the WBF full top fighters Ben Odomati and then I actually failed a scan again so um, straight away I thought well that, that's me done now with the fighting I've had a good career, 39 profiles, 132, um, fought for the British title twice, um, won a Midlands area title, uh, then I won the WBF world title. So I'd had a good career. Um, I don't think I'd have gone on to achieve much more. I was in a, was in a very tough division. Obviously, the likes of Arthur Gomez and Johansson, um, very top fighters, and I was privileged to be able to share a ring with them boys. But um, yeah, so I just decided to stay in the game. Got my trainers like carried on training fights. Got got myself a gym, and then obviously uh, the next pr- progression was to get my manager's license. Got my manager's license. We're just going from strength to strength, really. And then I thought, you know what, I'm gonna have to start uh, building these fighters up and promoting them because. I can't keep relying on going to other people's shows. So I actually went and got my promoter's license in 2007. And my whole aim really was just to, to build probably six local fighters up, promoting at the Grove Leisure Centre and around Newark and Nottinghamshire. But um, it just went crazy for me, really. People was contacting me from all over the place. and ended up managing fighters from, from the central area, from the Midlands area, from the southern area. And, it, and I've never looked back, to be honest. I'm, I'm very proud of what I've achieved in promoting. So have you been promoting? in for 12 years now is it yeah 12 years yeah i've done around 130 shows um all over the country in different areas it's been it's been a great journey and i've had no one no one back in may i've had a sponsor from day one jordan road servicing baz jordan who's who's been great with me helping me out with the gym but as a promoter i've never had no backing i've done it all myself didn't start with a lot of money to be truthful i've just worked really hard i first started out putting after dinner speaking events on bringing the lights of Ricky Atten, Bam McGuigan, Bam McGuigan back in the day is the one that really got me into boxing when I saw him fight um, Pedroza in 1985. I looked at that and I thought, oh, I want to be a fighter. It was fantastic watching that. But yeah, so I went on to do dinner speaking. I had McGuigan, Ricky Atten, Frank Bruno, Nigel Ben, Steve Collins, Joe Kawasaki, Barrera. I've had, I've had them all. Yeah, I just built myself up. I was I started off doing that and then I was mixing the both together when I got my promoter's license and yeah and I've, had, I've had a great journey I've had, I've had three British champions I've had a, uh, three Commonwealth champions I've had a world champion as a trainer I've been involved in UBO International Intercontinental Champions I've had WBC International Champions I mean the list is endless really so it's been a fantastic uh, fantastic journey Was there anything you'd say in your own professional career that you kind of felt like I'm not suggesting that you was uh, badly promoted or, or anything like that but was there anything from the promotional side of your own career that you kind of looked at and said I want to do something a little bit different for, for, for my fighters than what I had when I was going through the ranks yeah 
it's, it's so much different now from, from when I was fighting to, to obviously nowadays with the promoting. It's completely different. I mean, I look back, I mean, I, would, I was on a wage. I mean, I was just getting a set purse when I, was, when I was fighting, but I was doing bundles and bundles of tickets. Um, sometimes, I mean, I was doing like two, three hundred tickets and I never really got paid great, to be truthful, but that was just how it was back then. Nowadays, on, on the ticket deals that I'm doing, basically you pay your opponent and I'm splitting the money 50-50 with them. So if you've got a fire that's a good ticket seller, which I have actually got a few, they're earning mega money even on four-rounders. Um, I mean, you get you get fighters complaining about these ticket deals, but it's always the fighters that's complaining that can't sell. So you don't get the fighters complaining that can sell tickets. It's just one of them things. But if you can sell a good ticket on my deals, you're getting looked after very well. I mean, even the fighters that's not selling, not selling great. I mean, I don't ask them for a promoter's fee. I take the gamble where, obviously, if they, if they don't sell then and they only cover the opponent, that means they don't get paid and I don't get paid. I get nothing going. Not saying I don't get paid. I mean, my money goes into this show. I only get paid when the show's covered. So they're getting looked after there. A lot of promoters say, right, You've got to pay your opponent. I want, say, a thousand pounds for this show before you even, you know what I mean, before you get paid. And then after that, you'll get paid when I've had my thousand pounds. I don't do it like that. I mean, some promoters think I'm stupid, but that's just how I do it. I mean, it's been successful. Um, I like to think I'm a very successful as, as, as a promoter. So, going back to what you were just alluding to there about costings and, and prices, and I think there's, a few, there's quite a few people out there that obviously know how it works, but in terms of you getting it all started up and, and putting the investment into the shows, and obviously, you know, they've got to, the fighters have got to pay for their opponents and, and all the rest of it, has it been difficult in certain instances where you've had to put a show on, you've put so much money in, and then you've ended up really not even walking? away with anything whatsoever you've ended up losing if anything has there been a few instances like that because I know it's quite a recurring theme with a lot of promoters yeah I mean there has been a couple of occasions where I've lost money but I'll be I'll be truthful with you I haven't done too bad to be fair like I say I'm fair with my fighters and, and I think they respect me for it and the work the work just as just as hard as like I work hard for them, you see. So we've got like a good relationship. But yeah, there has been times where I have lost money. I mean, you got to remember, without TV, all the money's generated is from ticket sales. Obviously, you get a little bit of sponsorship, but it's not a lot. I mean, sometimes I don't. I mean, a lot of the times nowadays, I don't even bother asking for sponsorship. I don't. I haven't just got the time. But yeah, so it's all generated for, from um, from ticket sales. And you got to remember that these fighters on these small little shows, with all due respect, they're not. They're Nobody knows them outside their friends and their families and, and what have you. So me as a promoter, people say, well, you're the promoter. You shouldn't you be selling the tickets. But with all due respect, I, I am the promoter. And I sh- that, that does happen with the big shows because on the big shows, they're buying tickets to watch household no- names like Anthony Joshua, Carol Brook, Amir Khan. People's going to go and buy tickets to watch them because they know who they are. If they're a boxing fan, they'd rather go and pay £40, £50 to watch one of them than pay £40 to come to a, a local small old show where they don't really know the fighters, if you know what I mean. So that's how it works. I mean, it's down to the fighters really to sell because outside of their own area, nobody knows who they are. And it's very difficult for a promoter to, to explain this to people. People. I mean, through my website, I mean, I'm, I probably don't. Sometimes I sell two, three tickets. Sometimes I don't sell any. 
I mean, it's just how it is. But on the whole, it's down to the fighters to sell them with one, and, and it's it's a tough game. So when you started out promoting back in 2007, I think that was around about the time you started to start to get the influx of the social media platforms like your Facebooks, your Twitters, your, your other things that are out there at the moment. Do you think that's played yeah. a, a massive part in the way fighters are able to put themselves out there to sell tickets this day and age? Yeah, well, I didn't really get, get the grip of social media until 2007. 10 I think my Twitter account was set up and then still now I'm, I'm not a big social media man I mean it's good I mean even some of the fighters I've got I mean like the likes of Sam Bowen I mean he's British champion WBO Intercontinental champion but he can't stand so social media because it's just not not him to be there like calling fighters out and he's let his fist do the talking and he's done well from it but I mean I'm 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 pushing fighters all the time on social media now it is the way forward I mean it's been a massive influence on on, on sport in general and obviously boxing and it's been great for the fighters I mean obviously the days when I was fighting it wasn't around but I mean so we, we had to work harder and sell the tickets through without any social media but yeah it's a lot better having it definitely What's been the hardest part of the promotional journey then so far you know what I, you know what I find the toughest in promoting nowadays is obviously um, obviously take the ticket sales away I mean obviously you've got to it's difficult selling small old shows but like I say I've been quite successful at what I've done I've been lucky to have some some good ticket sellers and we've worked hard as a team and we've made it work but I mean, I always find the, because uh, I match make my own shows, because I always feel like if I match my own fighters, I know the sort of matches to be looking for, and I'm not going to be arguing with matchmakers about, no, I don't think that fight's right, and, and we end up falling out, and it don't work, I've tried it before, so I match make my own fighters, my own fights, and my own shows, but I find that because if you look through the old the old list of all the British rankings, there's very, very few away fighters. And obviously, there's only so many that's going to go around and take the risk of finding the away corner. So, um, when with the, with there being so many shows now, and and I mean, some nights you've got four or five shows on on one night. I mean, it's it's very difficult getting all them getting away fights to come. This is why there's been a lot of um, foreign fires being coming over the coming over now. A lot of foreign fires are coming over to. to the country and I mean obviously it's more cost effective for the uh, promoter I mean the, the foreign fighters themselves aren't on great money but when you take into account you've got flights to pay for you've got hotels food you've got your agent fee to pay for um, your foreign boxers fee to the British Boxing Board of Control your foreign trainers fee it adds up so you're looking instead of like 11-1200 pound for a four rounder over here you're looking at like 17-1800 pound now for, for a four freeze it's just ludicrous you know what I mean and yeah. that's what's making it tough that's what's making it very tough but yeah like going back to promoting I find it very tough to um, to obviously to match the shows it's difficult sometimes I mean sometimes it just runs really smooth and you have a great you have a great show and you've had no hiccups but um, the hardest bit is, is the matchmaking and obviously pull outs on shows when you've when you've put a small all show together with like six fights and you have a couple of dropouts, you end up with four fights, and it, that's the sort of uh, side of it that's stressful for me. So when you're obviously promoting fighters and you, you're getting them sort of matched up with with guys, like you say, that fight on the road and fight in the away corner, uh, is, yeah. is, it, is it sometimes difficult trying to get them 
fighters a bit higher up in the rankings you know fighters that essentially will help them progress on in the career because you get I know you get some instances where you'll get a fighter who's being touted as a, as a hot prospect but yet he only ends up fighting say five away fighters in one year and then it doesn't essentially seem like he's made any real progress because he's, he's kind of fighting just the same you know the same people in and out you know in, in, within about the 12 months time do you find it difficult like when you're trying to progress your fighters up the rankings trying to match make the right fights at the right times yeah I mean obviously like I said before if you look if you look through the history of my, of my fighters I mean some of them I've done I've done a great job with I mean I, I looked at it like this you give him like probably four four rounders against obviously your, your, your journeyman as such your, your ones that's um, that's out regularly and, and you know they are um, so you give him like four four journeymen and then you start when you get into six round level you have to step him up a little bit more so then I probably give him four four six rounders a couple of eight rounders and then you'll be looking at an area title fight with me and then obviously win that a couple of defences or if not a defence a couple more fights and then look at the English so there is a way to do it. You've got to do it properly. You've got to know when your fighter is ready to be stepped up. I mean, some kids who you've got, you just know they're not. With all due respect, and if some a couple of my fighters are listening, they might think we were talking about here. But <laughs> some fighters who you, who you manage and promote, you look at and you think, well, you aren't really going to go, go much further. So you've got to look after them the best way you can because they are selling big tickets and they are popular. But with all due respect to them, you know they're not going to go much further. So you've got to be really careful with certain fighters. But on the whole, if you've got a fighter that you think can go on to to British level and English level and what have you, you've got to match them right and, and bring them through properly. Um, it's easier than others. But if the, if the fighters are there for them to fight and you know which ones that they should be stepping in with, then, then that's what you do. So what's been the, the best part of this journey so far then? Uh, I mean, I know Sam Bowen is doing phenomenally well at the moment and he's obviously the, probably the name on a lot of people's lips domestically. But I know you've got a big fight which is going on the in the women's division with Terry Harper and Nina Bradley as well coming up, haven't you as well? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've had, I mean, I've never really trained, trained, uh, trained journeyman. I've always trained, uh, trained prospects. To be fair, but back in the day when I was, I was taking a lot of fighters on the road, like, a lot of journeymen on the road. But that was because they never had no one to look after them. I was managing them. They'd ring me and say, "Look, Carl, I'm, I'm a trainer. I've got a license or whatever, and I can't get to your gym. Can you? We do my corner and that's so what I used to do that. So I mean, back in the, a few years ago, I was like known as a kid that uh, a manager that was taking fighters out on the road but that wasn't really the case my aim was always to build fighters up which obviously if you look, look now is what is what is what's happening so yeah so obviously all the fighters are training at Bradley she's Commonwealth champion I train there Sambo in British champion WBO intercontinental champion I've got Kyle Awood who's 8-0 he's uh, fighting for a Midlands title on uh, on Fran Warren's show in a local derby against CJ Challenge on the 23rd of Feb on, on the undercard of Sam Bowen and Ronnie Clark I've got Dex Bowman who's 14-2 and two, very strong puncher ultimate boxer finalist and, and he's managed for the English title I've got Luke Fisher that's 2-0 and oh, 
a very good amateur was was was, uh, was an elite amateur boxer in the Royal Royal Navy. I think he was an ABA semi finalist. Tom Cowling's coming through. He's he's a good prospect, local. Then I've got Brad Dawes, who's two and zero from Nottingham, a good fighter. And then obviously the Russian David Avanesian, um, former WBA world champion. So yeah, my 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 aim is always to build fighters up and take them and take them through onto onto big fights and eventually get them in with the big promoters, which I've done with Sam. And obviously you've got uh, Avanesian as well, which um, was was quite controversial, wasn't it? Not too long ago, before Christmas, when he was supposed to fight. Uh, Josh Kelly and obviously Josh Kelly pulled out very last minute. What what was that sort of experience like for you as a, obviously a manager promoter? Yeah, it was it was very disappointing. Um, it, it knocked me back a bit, to be fair, because obviously, I mean, financially, I, lo- I lost a lot of money, not just through David. I mean, obviously through Sam Bowen as well, because I mean, he sparred with Sam his first spar when he came into the country training for that fight, and and he and, he, uh, and Sam well, before it was bust, but he had a muscle torn away from his bone, so he he got put out of his father Ronnie Clark before Christmas as well so financially it was a big blow for me but taking that aside I mean I put a lot of hard work in with David you got to remember he's from Russia we don't know nobody in, in, in my town where he trains and I have to pick him up for the gym I have to I have to do everything for the kids you know what I mean and, and obviously we put a lot of work and we travelled miles and miles for sparring um, and he was in fantastic shape I was very very confident for that fight and, and for Josh Kelly to pull out like that and six I mean we still don't know the ins and outs I mean we was told he was ill but I've had no evidence no no um, certificate from the doctors or anything so we don't know the ins and outs but that that's it was very disappointing and uh, we was told the fight's in the reschedule but we're, 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 um, we're not holding a breath to be honest so 2019 what are the plans for 2019 how many shows are you looking at trying to put on this year um, I looked at it last year and I put um, I put 13 shows on all over the country so I mean I've had a, I've, I've been consistent to be honest I've done I've done an average of say of 12 shows a year I think the most I've done is 15 but I've been very consistent since 2007 so yeah I'll probably do about the same again I might not be putting so many so many big shows on now I'm splitting a few of my shows up because the trouble I've got is I manage around 40 fights but a lot of them are all in different areas so obviously the aim is really to promote in the areas that these fighters are from because like I said to you before outside of their area people don't know who they are so it'll be difficult to sell the tickets so I'm going to be building I'm going to be putting I'm going to be putting shows on in Hull um, I'll be putting shows on in Newark Nottingham Leicester I'm going to be working back in York this year and I'll probably end up putting shows in other areas as well but that's where I'll be I'll be, I'll be working from this year and, and hopefully bringing my fighters through I mean I've got a lot of fighters that um, are like 2, 3 and 0 starting from the, from the bottom again I've got to build them back up to get them to championship level then I've got the likes of obviously Nina Bradley fighting for Commonwealth title I've got Sam Bowen um, uh, sorry Nina Bradley fighting Terry Harper for the WBC International Show and then I've got um, Sam Bowen in with Frank Warren now which has been a been a massive bonus for me obviously great fighter on BT Sport British champion who I've got, who I've got really high hopes for and I think he can go all the way and Going back to, to, to you then and this promotional side and the management side of the, of the sport how much does it affects your personal life given all the work you have to do and you were saying it before about uh, having Indian and obviously having to pick him up and take him to, to the gyms because he doesn't know where he is and how much does that actually affect your own personal life with hours and being away from home things like that yeah I mean it, it, it has had an effect in the past it has, it has played a major part in my life in the past I mean it has affected my first 
my first uh, my first marriage. But I'm really settled now with my new with my new wife uh, with Kimmy. She understands the game. She accepts accepts it. She's happy what I'm doing. She knows I work very hard, and and uh, she's okay with it. But it is very difficult. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm down that gym sometimes until like eight nine o'clock at night. I've been I'm in there in and out of the gym from ten o'clock, and obviously I've got I've not just got the training side of things with me. I manage and, and pr- promote as well. So obviously the times I'm not in the gym, I'm working on my promotions, and then I'm at shows sometimes at weekends and that. It, it is it is very time consuming, but one thing I've promised myself this year is not to get too worked up about things because I have had a lot of sleepless nights in the past and I've been stressed out and, and obviously get really down about things, but I'm going to do my best this year to, to just go with the flow. I mean, what will be, what will be. Always Everything always turns out in the end, I and mean, that's the aim this year, not to get too worked up to keep not to get too stressed out and obviously not things affect me like they have in the past so that's what that's what I'm going to aim to do whether it'll happen or I don't know <laughs> yeah there, there is that factor <laughs> of it as well <laughs> uh, ultimately then you've been promoting for a long time now so 12 years is a long time and have you got an ultimate goal where you want to take your promotional side of the business you know what it don't sound very ambitious but I'm really happy with what I'm doing I mean I'm not a greedy person as long as I can live a nice and a comfortable life you know what I mean I'm not I'm not greedy I'm not expecting to be rich um, I'm but if I can get a break I will take it because I'm an hard working lad and, and obviously if I can see an opening or a, an op- push on a bit further with the promoter I will do but if it don't happen it don't happen I mean there's a lot of good promoters out there um, some are more luckier than others to be honest I mean some a lot of promoters have started with a with a, with a lot of money and, and been lucky to to have a lot of money to start with I mean someone hasn't been as, as fortunate and obviously I'll have to work the way from the bottom upwards but if if I do get a break with it, get a TV deal or anything like that or get him closer with, with a TV promoter then, then happy days but if I don't I'm not going to be too down about it because I'm, I'm happy I'm comfortable and I'm, I'm like I say I'm, I'm really pleased with what I've achieved It's promoters like yourself Carl that are the backbone of, of this sport and there's a lot of guys like you out there maybe they've not been doing it as long as you but there's guys that have been doing it two, three, four, five years but essentially I look yeah. at I look at them as the backbone of the sport because you're bringing through the next crop of talent that are not from the GB squad and you're putting them into a platform where they end up getting themselves into these big shows because when you look at at the casual audience and you think they only think about people like your Frank Warrens and your Eddie Hearns and all your big time promoters with all the money in them they don't realise that actually there's a lot of small hall promoters out there that are pushing this talent through and getting them to this level to be on these televised shows so I consider people like you to be the backbone of of this sport and it's not just that there's people out there that uh, uh, people I've interviewed recently I've actually you know your name's come up a few times like oh Carl Greaves he's you know he's helped me out when I first started and this so it's it's really nice to hear that you know you're not just you're not just one of them guys that are out there and and, and are very selfish in respect of you see everybody as competition you kind of see everybody as 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 a friend and a you know like a a work colleague basically yeah well that's it I mean we all want the best for the fires I mean obviously you have to work against some of these promoters sometimes and managers but I mean on the whole I mean yeah you're all one big team really I mean you want the best for your fight so you're going to try and get the best deal you can possible but without small or promoters they wouldn't 
mean, there wouldn't be some big promoters wouldn't have had the fighters that they've got because, with all due respect, it's like Sam Bowen, for example. I mean, I brought him up from, he was a great amateur, 106 amateurs, one night, so won numerous amateur titles. But, like I say, he's not one of these kids that people know because he don't shout his mouth off, he's not into the social media. Right? So it was a difficult job for me. But, Sam, obviously, I got to work with Sam and I knew straight away what a great talent and, and, and when I was taking him sparring with elite, I'm not going to mention names, but with elite level fighters, he was he was more than old in his own. If I've got a special kid here who should really be with a TV promoter. I mean, I'm happy to manage him, but he's really too good to be fighting on my shows. But what I did was built him up. And he got avoided by so many fighters. And then obviously I got him into position to become manager trainer for the British title. Well, there was no TV promoter interested. Obviously, again, obviously the fight was against Maxie U. So I spoke to Steffi Ball and we did a deal for, for Maxie to come and fight on a non-TV show, my show. Uh, Leicester King Power Stadium and I paid Maxi good money I mean obviously people I'm not going to say with people told you paid him good money I took a massive massive gamble I had a little bit of backing for, with, with Sam for that with, with Baz Jordan and Jordan Rose servicing and um, and we took we took it on and he, and he won the fight and become British champion so you got to remember I took a kid from nowhere all the way to British to becoming a British champion with no TV so it was very very difficult but then I was at that stage where now what do I do with him? I can't keep putting money into him that I'm not going to get back. So the we spoke with obviously uh, Frank Warren and, and it's the best thing that's ever happened to be honest because he's with a great promoter. He's live on BT Sport now. Frank really likes him and he's took a shine to him. Um, obviously he did fantastic on his first fight for for uh, for Frank on uh, on the BT Sports Show. Let's tribute that that Jose Cabrera, Cabral who was a top fighter. Um, back, I think it was 21 and one former WBC international champion. Went over to Canada and beat Logan McGuinness that was about 21 and 0 I think. So it was a massive gamble. But Sam, I mean the cracking cracking shot to finish with, and he's he's gone down as a treat with with Frank and BT Sport and. And it's the best thing that's ever happened. So that's me, me aim, and that's what I try and do is bring the fighters through as far as I can get them, and then move them on because I don't move them on too early because I like to build them up and see if they can fight, and then push them on to the to the big boys. In terms of the fighters you you've promoted and the ones that you've mentioned there, with someone like Sam, if he, you know he's got the potential to move on even further than where he is, would you continue yeah. to to manage his career if he got to the world stage and and, and got into a world title fight would that be something you'd you'd like to do as a manager yeah I'm always going to hopefully we'll always work together I mean I'll be his manager and trainer as, as long as we can I mean one thing with Sam is he's very loyal he knows We've, we've worked well I've worked well for him and I've done the best job I can for him and, and obviously um, I'm hoping he stays with me for the, for the old duration of his career and I mean I've not really put a foot wrong as a, as a manager and trainer and he's not put a foot wrong as a as a fire it's it's a great team so obviously with Frank's with Frank's power now with BT Sport and and obviously his backing I'm pretty sure we, we can we can go we can go all the way but Frank's got a reputation and the pedigree of bringing fighters through I mean look what the job he did with Ricky Atten with Nazim Prince Nazim with Joe Kalzaki I mean the list is endless 
So I'm hoping he can do the same job for Sam because I know he's got the ability to do it. So just going back to your shows finally, have you got dates for ones that are, are confirmed and booked in and where they're located for the benefit of people that will listen to the episode and, and say, well, actually, I might go to this show or I might go to that show? Yeah, I've got um, the first show of the year is going to be at um, the Britannia Hotel in Nottingham. Uh, it's only a small venue, but I'm putting four four fights on there. I've got, like I said, the local lad Brad Dawes. He's 2-0, fantastic prospect, got massive votes from him. He's a massive ticket seller as well, which which obviously helps in helping me build him up. Um, I've got Tom Carlin from my hometown of Newark, who I've known since a little boy. He's making his he's making his pro debut. Got big votes for him. Oh, Ellis Machen, the heavyweight, another top prospect. Um, he's 2-0. Been getting great sparring with the likes of Tyson Fury, Dillian White, and and then big 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 names have been sparring with. I've got big votes for him. And then I've got Ollie Marpalooza, another local lad. So, yeah, I'm building them up. That's the first one, 2nd of March in Nottingham. And then I go on to the 9th of March, the week after, which is another great show. It's at the KC Stadium in Hull, um, where Matty Wigglesworth, the Central Era champion who I manage, and he's trained by Niall Armand. He's um, defending against John Telford. Um, that's going to be a great fight. And I've got Ryan Gibbons on that unbeaten. Um, Luke Fisher unbeaten. Levi Giles, another great prospect, he's unbeaten. He's, these are all my fighters. And then uh, Tommy Cole is putting Lou, Louis Sylvester on the show. Uh, he was managed by Steve Steve Wood, but he's backed by Tommy Coyle and trained by Billy Dawson at the Tommy Coyle Academy. He's on the bill. So, yeah, that's another, another great show in all. And then the end of the month, 30th of uh, March, I'm promoting uh, um, Stoke-on-Trent, the King's Hall. And I've got uh, Jamal Adu, trainer managed by Scott Lawton, um, an ex-pro, good, great fighter. He's uh, fighting for the Midland Tile against Corey Jackson. So, yeah. Yeah, I've got three decent shows in March. I always I always promote a lot in March. I think it's the best month. It sounds like it's going to be a busy, busy, busy year. Possibly, yeah. possibly with some headaches. Possibly with some great outcomes. But it's been it's been great to get to understand a little bit more from from your perspective, from somebody who's been doing it for quite a long time about how how it's worked for you. Yeah. You know, like the highs of it, the lows of it, how difficult it can be, money aspects. Of, you know, the the family time and the work life balance as well so it's nice to get to know a bit more about yeah. about how it how it works for you because people don't always understand how hard you guys actually work as promoters to get these shows going to get these fighters on the shows and to get them matched up with the right opponents at the right time so it's been good to really understand a bit more about it and i'm pretty sure people that listen to it get to know a little bit more about about you and, and your shows and the, the, the guys that you you're promoting and managing so it's been a pleasure having you on carl yeah yeah yeah, I really appreciate it. It's nice to talk about things and obviously it's nice to, to let people know how the game works and, and obviously the different sides of it. It's been fantastic talk to you, Sean. So there you go, guys. What a great episode and a great insight into the promoter's life from Carl Greaves. Again, as always, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. If you have, make sure you leave a comment, share it around social media, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean, Stitcher, Player FM. You can go onto YouTube as well. And I've got to give one more big shout out for this episode, and that's to Bear Attack Boxing. They are the official sponsors for this podcast. And if you want to go over and have a look at the high quality gloves that they're selling, it's www.bearattackboxing.co.uk or at Attack Boxing on Twitter or Bear Attack Boxing on Facebook. A big shout out for them. Go and check them out. They're going to be taking 
taking over this year in 2019. So there you go, episode number three of the Promoter Life with Carl Greaves. Thanks for listening, Fight Fans. Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.